0: Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I am your host every week, if you've listened before, and my name is Trevor Cummings. I'm also the author of the Thoughts on Money blog. I am sitting here in Newport Beach, California, at our Bonson Group headquarters, recording today an article I wrote called, Will I Make It? And the introduction to this article, it's a heavy one. Uh, It's a memory that I have, and I talk about it, I think it was about five years ago on Easter, and uh, my wife and I, we were shopping for Easter candy and making Easter baskets for family members, and I got this phone call from a friend, and he said, hey, you've got to get to the hospital right away. Your brother got in a, a very serious motorcycle accident. And when you get that phone call, you don't really know how to measure what does really serious mean. So your brain starts to go wild and kind of understand what is going on. So about 30 minutes later, we ended up at the hospital. One of our close friends, who was also the pastor of our church, uh, was right there alongside us, which praises be to him, because in times like this, you just need a good friend next to you and a good support system. So I hope everybody listening to this podcast has a strong community of friends and family members that uh are always willing to be there through the tough times. Nonetheless, back to my story. So we're sitting in the hospital. We really don't know what's happening, or what's going on. We just know that, hey, we're going to sit in this waiting room. And at some point, a doctor slash surgeon is going to come out and talk to us and give me an update on uh, my brother. So he comes in, younger doctor, really nice guy. And you know, all I want to know is, is my brother going to make it? That's like literally the one question on my mind is I'm not thinking about, hey, what is going to be his functionality or recovery time or all these nuanced details that you might want to know in the future. But at that moment, you want to know one thing. Is my brother going to make it? And I guess maybe this is normal for doctors. He didn't really provide any odds or probability or anything like that. He just said, your brother got in a really serious accident. Um, It's a, a serious head injury. And he's done a lot of damage to his body, so we're going to do our best, and we'll keep give you updates. But we are going into surgery. So after a long surgery, brother transfers over to the intensive care unit. I spent the night on an undersized couch, um, praying and hoping that my brother'd be okay. And for thirty days, that was kind of the scene. He was in a coma for thirty days. Great part of the story is that he fully recovered. My brother is is healthy and working and and, and totally functional, but. Man, oh man, that was a tough 30 days. And uh, when I was writing this article, the reason I'm giving this story is it was just a reminder to me about how vivid painful moments are for us, how we don't forget who we were with, what we were doing, what we were wearing, all those little details when we experience these things, because they literally become branded in our mind. And we probably have lots of great memories uh, of things that we can think about of, you know, the first time we went to Disneyland or the first time you kissed your spouse or whatever that might be. But for some reason, these painful memories tend to be so much stronger. And I wanted to juxtapose that against investing because I think in the world of investing, it's absolutely true. Right now, we're going through the pandemic of the coronavirus and everything that has an effect on the market. But we don't even have to talk about this year. If I talk to you about memorable market years, what are you going to do? You're going to tell me about Black Monday in 1987. You're going to tell me about the dot-com crash in the early 2000s. You're going to tell me about the financial crisis in 2008. And maybe if you're a historian, you're going to go back to 1929 and talk about the Depression. But there is these vivid years in the market that you know were catastrophic. But I want to ask you this. Do you remember 2013? Is that a significant year when I talk about markets? The markets were up more than 30% that year. How about last year, 2019? Do you remember the fact that the market was up 30% last year? Some of us may, most of us won't. And the reason is, is because our memories are filled with these painful market moments and they are much more vivid and recognizable than some of the times where the market does well. And that's kind of anecdotal, right? And I'm kind of making that claim, but it's not my opinion. Uh, I don't know what year it was, but a gentleman by the name of Daniel Kahneman, along with some research studies he did with Amos Tversky, Kahneman won a Nobel Prize for his studies on behavioral economics. And one of the primary biases or or, or different things that he studied was this idea of risk aversion. And he came to a conclusion. he, He coined it this way. He said, losses loom larger than gains. But the actual conclusion was the psychological impact of a loss is twice as bad as that equivalent feeling of delight you would get from a gain. That can't be super easy to translate over a podcast, so let's say it a different way. Losing 20% hurts twice as much as gaining 20% would feel good. So there is this idea that, as he said, losses tend to loom larger than gains. Now, we talked about my brother, that experience, every feeling that I had, and even, like I said, retelling that story, those emotions kind of begin to well up. We now know this idea that losses hurt twice as bad as gains. So where does this all fit into financial planning? Well, I had that one question for the doctor. Will he make it? Most investors have that same question. When it comes to their nest egg and when they want to retire or whatever whatever financial goal it is, they want to know, Mr. or Mrs. Advisor, will I make it? Do I have enough? Are my resources... My savings, my nest egg, sufficient to last me a lifetime. Could be a tough question to answer, but it's the responsibility of a financial planner is to be able to answer that question. There is a responsibility too for an advisor that they are stewarding over that client capital, and they darned as well better be building a financial plan and an investment strategy that helps to insulate and protect a client from not making it. So all this to say, when, when, when I was younger in the business and, and, and looking at all the different ways to invest, because there's a bajillion different strategies out there on, on how you can invest and what you can do and philosophies and, and white papers and, and research and all of that. What I love about a dividend growth strategy is it was a very good puzzle piece to plug in, to answer that question, will I make it? Yes, because if I use my dividend growth strategy, along with other parts and pieces, I can create enough income to satisfy somebody's expense needs. And as long as we protect and grow that income, it's sufficiently fulfilling the financial plan on a year-by-year basis. I explain that a little bit deeper in the article because I break it down into objectives. And here's the interesting thing. When somebody comes to you and they want to build an investment strategy and a financial plan, they're going to have, I don't know the perfect way to articulate it, but I'm going to say it this way. They're going to have almost competing objectives, which it's natural. So somebody's going to come to you and say something like, hey, I really want to grow this money, but I also want to preserve the principle. I really want to take out X amount per year, but I also want that income to grow each year. So you start to get these objectives and you're kind of putting them together and you're like, okay, how do we fit these all together in one fluid financial plan? So I broke down four of those popular objectives and what they might be and why dividend growth was such a great solution, I think, for my clients and for my own investing. And those four objectives were this, something that would provide sustainable and growing income. I guess you could combine that into one. Uh, Something that would provide long-term growth and something that would provide preservation of capital. So I thought it'd be helpful to kind of go through those one by one and see how they fit into this idea of, again, marrying this dividend growth strategy to a financial plan. Right around the bottom of the market, March 23rd-ish, maybe within that week or so, I posted an article on Thoughts on Money. And one of the things that I wanted to provide for people was this chart showing what dividends have looked like over the last 40 years or so. And I made it really simple. I just said, hey, if I invested in the S&P 500 back in 1989, and let's say I was collecting $100,000 a year in dividends, what would those dividends look like today? And if you go to the blog and you look at the, the, the chart I put on there, you'll see that those dividends are, sure enough, growing year by year. And there are a few years where they dip down and go below, but the, really the chart is kind of up and to the right. And when you go 40 years down the line, what you see is that $100,000 in income turned into something like $600,000 in income. So most of the time when we look at charts talking about the stock market, we see this heavy volatility. And the point that I'm trying to make here is that you don't see that same volatility when it comes to dividend payments. And why is that important? Well, what do most of us do for 40 years of our life? We show up at a job. We have a career and we have an expectation that what happens every two weeks or every every week or whatever your schedule is, we have a paycheck that shows up in our checking account. We depend on payday. Payday is what makes sure that we can satisfy the mortgage payment. We can cover utilities. We can do summer vacations. Payday is an important day for us. We spend 40 years getting used to this system where every two weeks a check shows up in our bank account. It's odd to think that it would be easy to transition from that lifestyle to say, okay, you know, I've saved a couple million dollars now, but where am I going to get that paycheck from? Dividends are a paycheck. They are reliable. They are sustainable. So if you are comfortable with that system and it provides you that there is a consistent paycheck that shows up in your account, then dividends are a really, really good solution. And my argument is that it's hard to get off that system. Like I said, so much of investing is having comfort and relieving you from the anxiety of not knowing how you're going to I'm exaggerating here, but not knowing how you're going to pay for your next meal, not knowing how you're going to keep the lights on. So when I look at a chart like this where oh the dividends are consistent, they grow each year, oh man, that looks a lot like a paycheck. I know they dip every once in a while, but you know, I've gone through tough times with different companies where they had to cut back a little bit and maybe my hours changed or maybe my pay changed temporarily. I can learn to deal with that. But this idea, if I set up a financial plan that leans on dividends, sounds like a really good plan. The next objective I look at is long-term growth. All of us want to grow our nest egg. We have different aspirations. Some of us want to pass that down to our heirs. Other people get very excited about particular charities that they're going to give to during their lifetime or they're going to bequest their money to some of us just like to have a growing nest egg because it gives us an emergency resource. We like knowing we have X amount of dollars in this investment account that if anything ever went wrong, it's easy to go replace a car part or to go fix a slab leak at home. This idea that the nest egg is growing provides a a growing security for us. The great thing about dividend growth investing is unlike a CD or an annuity or something that does solve for that income need that we have, that paycheck need that we have, a a dividend-paying stock also is growing over time. So we gain two benefits. We satisfy the paycheck need, and then we also have a nest egg that's growing over time. The other objective I mentioned was this idea of preservation of capital. And that's important to people. That's really important. But they often misinterpret it. And let me help to redefine it for you. When I talk about preservation of capital, it's kind of a big finance word, but what most people are saying is whatever amount of money I have today, I want to make sure I have that amount of money tomorrow, next year, the year after, I really want that set amount of money to be the same. That leads a lot of people to put money in a money market account or put it under the mattress or whatever that might be. They might say, You know, I have a million dollars in that account. That's what the statement says. And I really want to see it stay at a million dollars. The problem with that statement is that you forget that all the things that you like to purchase, whether it is a, a cheeseburger or it is a vacation or it is a new car, that those things increase in price every year. I'm kind of jokingly simplifying that, but you know what it is, is inflation, right? Things inflate in price each year. So there is an idea that in order to preserve your capital, you're not trying to preserve that exact dollar amount. You're actually trying to preserve what your buying power, what you, can, what you can exchange that for, what you can buy with that. So if that's the truth, if you're trying to preserve your buying power, you actually need that part of your nest egg to grow minimally at inflation. And I included a chart on here showing that, hey, over the last decade, Inflation has zigged and zagged, but it's been somewhere between 0 to 3%. So you need to put that expectation on your investment account that it minimally grows at 2 or 3% each year so that you are preserving that buying power. So again, when we're setting up a system that has multiple objectives, we need to make sure that all of those objectives are met. And if I go back through that laundry list, if I'm looking for income that is sustainable, income that is growing the prospect of long-term wealth growth and preservation of capital, well, the dividend growth strategy that we employ here at the Bonser Group uh, that I employ for my own investment accounts and the same strategy we steward client capital with, it checks all those boxes. And that is important because those are the things that fulfill your financial plan. And we laid out those objectives that help you so you do make it And if I really boil down financial planning, I know we do a ton of dollars and cents and forecasting and projections and and different things of that nature. But why do we do all this? You want the comfort of knowing that you will make it. You don't want to wake up every morning thinking about your financial account. You don't want to think about any adjustments and pivots and things that you want to make. You want to set up some sort of plan, some sort of strategy that covers all these objectives so that you can go out and do life. You can go out and do the things that you enjoy, whether that is playing baseball with your grandkids or a lake vacation or taking a cooking class. You want to focus on those things. You don't want your time, your energy, your anxiety to be consumed by this stuff. So that's why that story of my brother was like, oh, that was such a reminder is that when you get into those tough times, The questions become really simple. You just want to know, will you make it? And that's what this Thoughts on Money article is all about. I hope you enjoyed it. I would ask that you rate the podcast. Five stars are always welcome. And any comments as well. As always, you're welcome to email me at tcommings at thebombsandgroup.com if you have questions or comments. And I'd be happy to have a discussion with you. And that is all I have for you today. But I will be back next week for another
1: Thoughts on Money podcast. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no express or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information reference herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.